Our text is Acts 15, verses 1 through 35. I can invite you to stand in honor of reading God's word. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples? that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who were of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, 
who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it is seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands. Lord God, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning, that we may behold wonderful things in your law. I don't know about you, but I did not grow up Presbyterian. It's something that I came to later in life. And this chapter is one of the reasons that I'm Presbyterian and that I'm glad to be. So I hope that I can show that from the passage for you this morning as well. The primary thing that I want us to see out of Acts 15 is that Christ, foreseeing that conflict would arise in his church, has given us a God-ordained means for discovering his will for his people. You see, a question arose very early in the church about what to do with Gentile believers. The first Christians were Jews, so they were circumcised, and they kept the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. But as the gospel spread, this good news came to the Gentiles. Even within Jesus' own ministry, we think of John 12, the Greeks who come to see Jesus. We think of the Syrophoenician woman who says she would be glad to eat the crumbs that fall from the Master's table. And the question comes to the fore with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, with, with Peter and Cornelius and his household, and now with Paul and his ministry to Gentiles throughout the Mediterranean, and especially in Antioch. What should be done? What should be done with these Gentiles coming to faith in a Jewish Messiah? Many Jewish Christians earnestly Believe that in order for Gentiles to follow this Jewish Messiah and be saved by a Jewish God, they must themselves become Jews. Others saw the Holy Spirit at work among Gentiles as Gentiles and believed nothing more was needed. And of course there were many positions in between and many ulterior motives at work. If only Jesus was still there to ask, Jesus, what should we do? But Christ has given his church a means for settling conflict like this and of other kinds that may arise. So let's look at this passage and see what Christ has given to his church. And the first thing we see is that Christ has given his church elders 
and apostles. As in the Old Covenant, so in the New, Christ has given elders to his church. Elders have had a place in ruling Christ's church at least as far back as the Exodus. If we go to Exodus 24, we see 70 elders going with Moses and Aaron up the mountain to dine together and to see the Lord. If we jump forward to Numbers 11, we see these elders set apart and given a portion of Moses' spirit to help him rule over the people. And in Deuteronomy 21, we see elders described with several functions in ruling God's people alongside judges. They're given instructions for how they should come to judgment in certain cases. And if we were to continue throughout the Old Testament, we see elders still leading God's people all the way up to the Gospels themselves. We encounter elders there. Then we arrive in Acts. right? And in Acts 14.23 it said, When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And as Paul gives instructions to Titus in chapter 1, he says, This is why I left you in Crete, in verse 5, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those contradicted. And qualifications are given again in 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Timothy 5. So as in the Old Covenant, so in the New, God has given elders to his church. But in the New Covenant, Christ has also given his church apostles. Here in Acts and alongside it in the time of the New Testament, Apostles are actively leading and teaching alongside elders in the church. They're laying the foundation for the New Testament church that's accompanied by signs and wonders. We might think of Moses leading the Old Covenant people alongside the elders. His own ministry attended by signs and wonders. And then the record of his teaching then preserved in the Old Testament. Christ continues to lead his church through elders and apostles. I sound like I'm about to get into trouble here, right? But it's clear from the New Testament that Christ rules his church by means of elders. And it is clear from our possession of the New Testament that Christ continues to rule his church through apostles. They no longer labor among us but we have a written record of their teaching so that our elders may lead us according to Christ's desires 
as expressed through the apostolic word. So Christ has given his church elders and apostles. The second thing we see here is that Christ has given his church a hierarchy of courts. That sounds really fancy, right? The apostles and the elders did not govern the church like Roman circuit judges, but they gathered in a hierarchy of courts. This happened in the Old Testament as well as the New, right? Moses, in talking to the elders as they're appointed, is instructed as Jethro, his father-in-law, talks him through how this should work, right? Let them rule over different uh, numbers, right? Over tens and fifties and hundreds. And if the, if the case is too difficult for them, right, then they can bring it to you. And we see this happening here in Acts 15. Verses 1 through 3, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So what do they do? Well, they debate, right? They're, they're Presbyterians, so they debate things, right? After Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Right? The discussion takes place in the context of a church court. And then the church commissions delegates to a higher court. A court comprised of elders and apostles. They go to the church at Jerusalem, not because the church of Jerusalem has some special priority, but because this is a natural place for the church as a whole to gather with elders and apostles from all over. Right? And we see them passing through as well other churches along the way, Phoenicia and Samaria, spreading the news of what God is doing. So elders and apostles from the area churches constitute a court and then they have recourse to a higher court. And then we have a general assembly of the churches. When the question cannot be resolved within the local church, or because the question concerns the church as a whole, right, they send representatives to Jerusalem. I mentioned we pass through these other churches sharing their joy in what God is doing. We see in verse 22, right, as as that uh, assembly reaches a, a decision, right? That it seemed good to the apostles and the elders of the whole church that they choose men to send back to the lower courts, carrying the news of what they have decided. This is a wonderful thing about how Christ governs his church. When conflict arises, it doesn't have to be settled by those who have an interest in a particular outcome of the conflict that we gather with the plurality of elders ruling Christ's church. And when we cannot decide that here in our presbytery, right? Then we can send that up the chain. We can lean on the wisdom of a wider section of Christ's church. Christ has given his church elders and 
apostles. Christ has given his church this hierarchy of courts in the Old Testament and here in the New. Christ has also given his church good news for the Gentiles. News that is good for us too. As they share what God has been doing in their ministry, as they bring this question to the floor, then they reflect on what God has been doing, what he did through Peter, what's happening in other places. And they come to a decision, right? That it is not necessary for Gentiles who come to Christ to become Jews. Those who come to Christ as Gentiles remain Gentiles in Christ. And so there's this beauty of diversity in the New Testament church that we find preserved in Revelation. There in the new heavens and the new earth, as they sing God's praises, there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so their decision here accords with what John describes. But there is an ongoing concern. They give them instructions, right? In verse 19, they say, well, this is James speaking, and then they, they agree. My judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. So they send that in the letter as well. Verse 28, right? They've sent Judas and Silas to proclaim to them by word of mouth what they've also written. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Circumcision is absent, but why these other things? Because Gentiles, like Jews, must flee idolatry. They must flee the worship of idols. This is an ongoing concern for us. Each of these things mentioned are tied up with idol worship, sacrifice, and blood, and strangled animals, and even sexual immorality is tied to the worship of idols. That's an ongoing concern for us as well. Not necessarily these specific things. The shape of the pastoral advice might change as the church faces new challenges. But at the core, the concern with each of these things is idolatry. This also reveals to us that though there are elements of who we are culturally, ethnically, linguistically that are preserved by the gospel that will be seen in the new heavens and the new earth, not every element of our culture is neutral. So we must submit ourselves to Christ and to his church. And together we must pursue holiness with an eye toward those things that Jesus would ask us to leave behind. Beloved, Christ has given to his church elders and Christ has given to his church a hierarchy of courts. And 
he's given to us the good news that we may receive Christ as Gentiles. Only flee idolatry. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this good news of the gospel. We thank you for a means of resolving conflict that arises among us. We thank you that we are able to take hold of you without taking upon ourselves Jewish customs and Jewish law. Father, we pray that we would rejoice in this good news, that we would flee idolatry, that we would take hold of you in faith. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.